Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, this morning, as we have uh, rebooted our services, we also relaunched and pivoted to a new series last weekend entitled Recalibrate. To, to recalibrate simply means to adjust, to adjust the way you do something, to adjust the way you think about something. We as a church, like with every business and organization, we've had, to, we've had to pivot. We've had to adjust. We are making our adjustments in real time as a church. You coming to a physical gathering is an adjustment. The way you're doing it, the way we're thinking about it, the protocols that are in place. And I again want to just say thank you to each and every one of you for your cooperation and flexibility with all of the protocols, which, again, are being evaluated on a weekly basis, and adjustments may need to be made as we go along, and we know that, and so we'll do our best to communicate those with you uh, if and when they happen, but for right now, we are just trusting the Lord. Uh, We are holding faith and wisdom together, not as mutually exclusive, but as the need to have them together in tandem. We have faith to trust God, but we do not reject wisdom on the way that we're doing what we're doing in our physical gathering. So thank you all for cooperating with us. And in this series, Recalibrate, what I'm doing is inviting you to join me in asking God, where in my life do I need recalibration? Where in my life do do I need something that needs to be adjusted in the way I'm thinking, in the way I'm doing something? And I'm inviting you to prayerfully and humbly ask God with me and open our hearts and our hands to the Lord and say, God, is there something, an area where I need to recalibrate? And last weekend, we talked about our, our first way to do that. We talked about the idea of reclaiming worship. And as a church, we're doing that. We are leaning into that. We are not singing the way that we typically do. Uh, We are not having a live band for right now. We are discouraging congregational singing for the love and the safety and the health of everyone who is joining us in this auditorium. And we know it's different. But last weekend, I reminded us of an important principle. If you haven't seen it, go to GCC TV and watch it. Worship is not singing. Worship is not music. It's part of it, and it certainly is included in it, but we gotta reclaim the biblical idea of what worship is. And as we reclaim the biblical idea of what worship is, we all of a sudden understand that some of the things that we may be finding so difficult to give up right now are really not maybe the idea God had in mind from the beginning. And so I started last week in this series by just simply asking the what if questions. What if our return to normal is more abnormal than we think? And what if what we think about church is not God's idea of church? What if, what, what if the idea of worship is different? And we're going to talk about something really important for us today as we come back and we continue this series, Recalibrate. Here's our, here's our theme verse for the series that we're using. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you all. When the Bible says strive for full restoration, the word and the phrase in the original language really means to recalibrate. It means to restore something back to its original place 
or intention. And in this series, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to strive for full restoration of adjusting our thinking and adjusting the way we're doing things according to the way that God thinks. So in this message today, I want to talk about regaining perspective. Regaining perspective. As I've watched people's response to this pandemic, as I've watched people's response to the racial tension that we're feeling yet again in our country, what I'm reminded of is that it's easy for people to get their eyes on the wrong things. It's really easy for people to, in the midst of difficult circumstances, to lose perspective, isn't it? And, and in this series, kind of the premise of this series is really simple, that God uses the circumstances of our life to calibrate our hearts and our hopes to heaven. And that's really what we want to do this morning. We want to we regain some perspective of everything that's going on in our world. And, and, and how do we do that? Well, I think the only way that we regain perspective is we've got to think and adjust the way we think to God's ideas. Now, let me just say something right at the outset. No two of us share the same perspective. When we deal with a situation, when we look at a circumstance, every one of us have a little bit of a different point of view, perhaps a different vantage point, and the way that we see that situation. Lots of things create that for us, but we have got to be intellectually and emotionally humble enough to admit that people just don't see everything exactly the same. Which is why we've got to regain perspective, because life is not about you and it's not about me. Life is about God. It's about the work God is doing. It's about the things God is up to, that he wants us to adjust to. And in this series, what we're going to do, and in this talk this morning, is, is I want to bring us to a passage of Scripture that I think beautifully frames the idea of, of, of perspective for us. It, it allows us, in this text of Scripture, to regain what has so easily lost when life is difficult. And that's perspective. How many of you here remember a Christian band? by the name of Jars of Clay. Can I see your hands if you remember Jars of Clay? So Jars of Clay was a, a Christian rock band that kind of had their debut in the early 1990s. And their first album they released, it was a, a self-titled uh, album, Jars of Clay. On the CD version of the release of that album, they had a hidden track that you would have to go to find. It wasn't in their label, it wasn't talked about. It comes out later in the CD and you have to keep listening so, some dead space to actually get to it. But the title of the track was 4-7. And it actually was a paraphrase of this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse number seven. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. 
Jars of Clay, the band, understood something that Paul asserts here. Paul in his own life came face to face with his humanity, with his vulnerabilities. He understood how difficult and challenging life could be because he of all people had experienced tremendous opposition in his life. He had been falsely accused on numerous occasions. He's, he had been flogged and beaten within an inch of his life. He was at one point shipwrecked and left for dead. He was bitten by snakes. He was imprisoned on more than one occasion. And ultimately, his life is surrendered by way of martyrdom. Paul the apostle understood something that the band jars of clay got and we need to get. And that is that we are simply earthenware. That's the word used. It means a common vessel. It means just an ordinary thing. The idea of being a jar of clay scripturally is that it was simply a clay pot or a clay container that held something. And often what was most important in the container was not the container itself, it was what was placed in it that was significant. So for many years in my home, I no longer have this, but for many years, I had my most important documents in a Reebok shoebox. It's the only place I could know to keep them and put them in safekeeping in my home. And it's now in another location, but I, I'll never forget going to that box so many times. And it was all beaten up and broken up because I had gone there so many times to pull out an important document. The reality was the box was worthless. What was in the box contained the heart and soul of my life in many ways. And I think that's what Paul's getting at here when he says that we are jars of clay. In the original language and in the Bible, there are two ways that jars of clay or clay pots or vessels are presented. And they're very different. The first way that they are presented is as a pot or a piece of pottery that has been fired or baked in the kiln. It's a finished product. And if that piece of pottery gets broken, there's nearly no way to restore it. You almost can't repurpose it. The other way that the Bible presents a, a, a clay jar or a clay pot is the imagery of an unfinished lump of clay sitting on the potter's wheel. In Jeremiah chapter 18, Jeremiah has a vision from God and God says, I want you to go down to the potter's house. And there I want you to see something. I want to speak to you. And Jeremiah goes to the potter's house and as he's there, he's watching the potter take a lump of clay and fashion it on the wheel. And as he's watching, here's what he notices. The clay becomes marred in his hand. It doesn't do what the potter ultimately wants it to do. It becomes misshapen. And so he puts more water on it. He crushes it down. He keeps the wheel spinning and he starts to remake it again. And God speaks to Jeremiah and says, this is what you're like in my hands. You're like a piece of pottery. But not one that has been fully put through the kiln. It's not fully hardened yet. You are a work in progress 
that I am doing a work in you and on you and through you, but make no mistake about it, you are not a finished product. That is the word that Paul uses here when he says that we are jars of clay. We are not finished yet. God is still working on us. And listen, this experience of a pandemic is actually getting out of all of us what's inside of us. We are saying things, we are responding to it in a certain way, Maybe we are complaining and griping about, man, we just want it all to end. And what God is doing is he's revealing something through that. He's revealing the contents of the pot, the jar, what's inside of us. And I love what Paul says. Paul says we have a treasure. Paul says we have a treasure in these jars of clay. I don't know how many of you have been fascinated by this guy by the name of Forrest Fenn. I don't know how many of you have ever heard the story about the Fenn treasure. Forrest Fenn was a, is, is a retired Air Force pilot who was actually granted the Silver Star. He, he flew about 330 combat missions in one year during the Vietnam War. Following his retirement from the military, he settled in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and he opened a gallery that is believed to have brought in nearly $6 million of value every year by the artifacts he sold. Well, he was diagnosed with cancer, and he decided to do something that I don't know if anyone has ever done. He decided to write a memoir called The Thrill of the Chase, and in it, he wrote a poem with nine clues. And north of Santa Fe, Mexico, he hid a treasure chest filled with valuable jewels, valuable coins worth nearly $2 million. Last month, the treasure chest was found. He has no clue who found it, but he knows because he went and it was no longer there. Somebody's walking around with $2 million worth of treasures. Listen, here's, here's what he did. He took something valuable and he hid it in dirt. You know what Paul's saying here? When Paul says we have a treasure in earth and vessels, Paul is saying, don't ever forget you have divinity in dirt. You have God living in you. We are just dirt. We are dust. We are clay. But make no mistake about it, friends, we have got God's very presence, the life of God's spirit living in us. And, and we walk around sometimes and we forget how valuable, how precious our life really is. How much worth we really have. That's what Jesus promised when he said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to fill your life so that you will carry in your earthen vessel a treasure. And what's the purpose of it? What's the reason he did it? Well, I want to reread 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. And let's see the purpose. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That's the purpose. The purpose is so that God is glorified. You and I have not been given God's spirit so we can show off. We've been given God's spirit so we can show God. So that God can be displayed in our lives. In fact, I want to encourage you today to think of your life as a showcase. 
for the treasures and the trophies of God. Every circumstance that you overcome by God's grace is a trophy to God. Every time you lean into difficult circumstances and you overcome by an attitude that says, I'm trusting God, God's treasure is showcased. I mean, Paul knew this. That's why Paul said, I don't come to impress you with my speech. I come in the weakness and I come in the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. What was the power? It was in his weakness. God was showing himself strong. When people retire from the military, many times they're given what's called a shadow box. It's a display case that is intended to what? Show all their accomplishments. Everything they've done in their career. All their milestones. And, and then especially those things that were really meaningful to them. That they can have for the rest of their life. Locked behind glass. Listen, you and I, we have a treasure. Not so we can show off. But so that we can demonstrate and showcase God in the midst of our struggle. And Paul knew something about this. He speaks from personal experience. What Paul then goes on to do following this verse is he goes on to talk about what it looks like being a jar of clay. What it means. Here's what he says, basically in a nutshell. He says, we are broken, we are fragile, we are delicate, we are vulnerable. We are susceptible to heartache and hardship. That in this life, we will have trouble. Jesus said that. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Here's the big idea for this morning. Nothing causes us to lose perspective quite like pain does. Nothing causes us to lose perspective that we have a treasure in earthen vessels to show God's glory. Nothing causes us to lose that perspective like pain does. So I had my message and big idea and main thoughts ready by Friday. And Friday morning, late morning, I jacked up my lower back. Man, all weekend long, I've been nursing and suffering with pain in my lower back. I don't know about you, but when I'm in pain, the simplest things of life become difficult. I don't think clearly. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what's worse, back pain or tooth pain. When I say it to my wife, she says, wait a minute, you never had childbirth pain, okay? But listen, I, I know this. I know back pain and tooth pain. It's just hard to know which is worse. I can't think clearly. My head's not in the game. It's hard to be present with people like I want to be. When we are in pain, what happens? We so easily lose perspective, which is why we've got to keep coming back to God. And what Paul does is Paul says, I'm going to break this down for you. I, I, I want to I get into the nitty gritty of this. And in his customary literary style, what Paul the Apostle does in his writing is brilliant. Paul so often leverages Greek culture, the culture he's living in. He's talking about what it's like to be in that culture. And one of his most common motifs that he uses is taken right from Greek culture. It was the Greek Olympic Games. 
Paul often goes to the Grecian games by way of illustration. He says, I want to give you an illustration of what life's like. At one place, he uses the illustration of a runner. He talks about the athletic uh, competitions of running and says, that's what life is like. At another place, he talks about boxing. And he says, listen, it's a lot like boxing. Paul has this in mind because everyone in the Greek culture loved their Olympic games. Well, what Paul does in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 or, or chapter 4 is he actually takes the Greek sport, which was one of the most popular in its day, the Grecian sport of wrestling. And he says, I want to tell you what life feels like from the vantage point of a wrestler. Now, listen, I wrestled in high school. And I want to tell you that there were times in wrestling, it was painful. I'll never forget in a match doing a fireman's carry. If you're not sure what that is, it's you pick someone up over your shoulder. I'm not going to try it and demonstrate it here this morning because of my lower back. But as I took someone like this and put them over, I tore the cartilage in my ribs. Deeply painful. Sprains and, and pain in your body. I know what that feels like as a wrestler. I was identifying as I'm reading how Paul is, is talking about this in 2 Corinthians chapter four. And what he does is he gives us four analogies from a wrestler. Here's the first in verse number eight. 2 Corinthians four, verse eight. We are hard pressed. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. To be hard pressed means to be afflicted. You ever have circumstance in your life that rub you the wrong way? When you're wrestling, you're getting rubbed the wrong way, okay? Every part of your body gets hard-pressed. Even parts you wish didn't are getting hard-pressed. And Paul sees this analogy and he says, life is a lot like that, isn't it? That at times you feel so afflicted, which creates so much conflict, inside of you. But he has a reminder. You may be hard pressed on every side. You may be rubbed the wrong way by the circumstance of life. But he says, listen, we are not crushed. It means we are not minimized. We are not reduced. The things we go through do not make us smaller. And here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying when life becomes smaller, God gets bigger. When life gets smaller, God gets bigger. Second thing he says also in verse number eight is this. We are perplexed, but not in despair. I have been suplexed, but I've also been perplexed. And what he's doing here, Paul is saying, listen, I want you to know that this idea of being perplexed is the idea of being puzzled and being stunned. Every once in a while in combat, you get hit so hard. You get put down so hard that you feel stunned. It takes the breath right out of you. I've had the wind knocked out of me on more than one occasion. And what Paul's saying is, listen, when you feel perplexed, be reminded, here's the perspective. You're not in despair. Literally, what Paul's saying is this. Literally, we are at times puzzled, but not despairing. 
And what do we feel like when we start being in despair? We, we start to feel like we are at the end of our rope. There's no way out. We become disoriented. Feelings of hopelessness even begin to set it inside of us. And here's what Paul is reminding us of. Paul is saying, when your life becomes a puzzle, know that it is not the end of the story. I think when we reach the end of ourselves is when we find God so often. Verse number nine, Paul gives us another analogy. He says, we are, we are persecuted. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. The idea here of persecution is the idea of being pursued by an enemy to the point where they overtake you and subdue you. It is somebody who is in pursuit, like a hunter that is chasing a prized animal. One of the things I learned about wrestling is this. You don't want to be on defensive. You want to be on the offensive. Because when you are on the defensive, you are losing leverage. But when you are on the offensive, you have a way of gaining leverage. And every so often, I would have a, someone that I was competing against that, man, they just constantly, constantly came at me. And I felt like, man, I don't know how to get out of this. And what Paul's saying here is simple. Listen, when your perspective is, I feel like I'm under persecution, Paul says, here, I want to remind you, you've not been deserted. You've not been forgotten. That's the perspective you need to remember. You are not alone. And finally, verse number nine, he says this. We are struck down. Make no mistake about it. There are times we are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Being struck down here in the original literally means to be forcefully placed on your back. In wrestling terms, it's getting pinned. There are times we feel like our back is up against the wall. We feel like we have been pinned down and we don't know where to go. And Paul said, listen, don't make that your focus. Yes, we are struck down, but make no mistake about it, we are not destroyed. Listen, when our back is up against the wall, God has our back. And that's what he wanted us to be reminded of. Paul summarizes all this in verse number 10 when he says this. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. It's another way for Paul to say, you have a treasure in you. That when you feel like life is beating and circumstances are beating the life out of you, God is working in you in ways that you cannot see. And that's why Paul says this in verse number 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. What happens when we lose perspective is we become disheartened. To lose heart means to become so discouraged, so despondent, you've tried to do something, it isn't working, 
and you finally get to the place where you start giving up hope, not only on the thing, but you also give up hope on you. And in the midst of losing perspective, what happens is we can lose ourselves and we ultimately lose our life in God the way he desires. Let me say this again. Nothing causes us to lose perspective quite like pain does. But I think the opposite is equally true. Nothing enables us to regain perspective like prayer does. When we pray, when we come to God, we gain perspective. I read this verse and I ask myself this question, how did Paul do it? With all of his circumstances, all the trials and tribulations, how does Paul say, I don't lose heart? And we must not lose heart. I think it all comes down to perspective. There are three perspectives Paul had that he actually gives us as a gift in this text that helps us to regain and hold on to our perspective, especially when we're experiencing pain in these jars of clay, especially when circumstances of life feel like they're beating us down. There are three that Paul gives to us. The first one is found in verse number 16. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. When you have pain in your life, isn't it easy to focus on it? I mean, isn't it easy when you have pain to think about all the limitations, all the things you can't do? I mean, honestly, I, I found myself doing that this weekend with my pain, being reminded of my limitations, thinking about the fact that as I get older, there are certain things that may become even more difficult when I have lower back pain. Listen, friends, make no mistake about it. Outwardly, every one of us are wasting away. That may not be great news for us this morning, but that's true. Outwardly, there are things happening in all of our lives that I think we can, if we're not careful, focus on. But here's what Paul says. Don't make that your focus. Regain your perspective. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. Make no mistake, God inwardly is doing his best work inside of our skin. This stuff may not be eternal, but what's going on inside of us is very, very much eternal. Paul says the way that we regain perspective, the way that we don't lose heart is we don't focus on the fact that we're wasting away. We focus rather on the inward work God is doing in us because he's doing his best work inside our skin. Verse number 17, he gives us another perspective. For our light and momentary troubles are doing something. They are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Here's the second perspective Paul gives us. Our momentary pain pales in comparison to the glory that's promised us. Our momentary pain pales in comparison to the glory that is promised us and that awaits us. 
so we do not lose heart. We do not become despondent. We don't allow the circumstances of our life to get the best of us. Why? Because God tells us he's doing something for our eternal future that is so much bigger and brighter than the difficulties we're experiencing today. And finally, Paul says this in verse number 18. Paul says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What do we do so often in life? We focus on what we see. And when we focus on what we see, we lose our eternal perspective of what is unseen and what is eternal. Face masks are not forever. Physical distancing is not forever. Our inconveniences that we're experiencing, they are not forever. But what is forever is the hope that we have in God. And so we regain perspective when we fix our eyes more on what is unseen than what is seen. And that, friends, is how we regain perspective and we don't lose heart. I want to close this morning by reading a prayer. It's actually found in a book. It's in a devotional I'm reading, but it's from a book from Henry Nouwen entitled A Cry for Mercy. I want you to just pray this prayer with me, if you'll bow your heads as I share it and pray it for us. I call to you, O Lord, from my quiet darkness. Show me your mercy and love. Let me see your face, hear your voice, touch the hem of your cloak. I want to love you, be with you, speak to you, and simply stand in your presence. But I cannot make it happen. Pressing my eyes against my hands is not praying. And reading about your presence is not living in it. But there is that moment in which you will come to me as you did your fearful disciples and say, do not be afraid, it is I. Let that moment come soon, O Lord. But if you want to delay it, then make me patient. If you want to delay it, then make me patient. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.